This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman the Fourth. Hi, I'm Dan Jordan. Hey, I'm Duffy Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast, Season 12, Episode 26, our penultimate episode before our season finale for Season 12, the year 2020. I'm your host, Ian, and with me I have... This is Steph. And this is Theo. And we have some pretty exciting stuff to talk about today in Batman Comic Universe news. We had Comic-Con experience in Sao Paulo, Brazil going on over the weekend, and a lot of comic news was dropped. Most of it was about the creative teams after uh, Future State, so starting in March. Uh, Solicits are probably going to drop this Friday, so we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about next episode in our finale. But this time, they sort of gave us a preload with uh, news on Detective Comics. Peter Tomasi and Brad Walker and Doug Mankey will not be returning to Detective Comics. Instead, uh, writer Mariko Tamaki and artist Dan Mora, who did the short in Detective Comics uh, 1027, and they are doing Dark Detective for Future State for a four-issue miniseries, are going to take over for Detective Comics. I fully expect Dan Mora to just be on for two to three issues because he's got other series he's working on. Uh, But Mariko Tamaki has currently been on Wonder Woman. She's wrapping up in December in this month. And she will be joining Detective Comics in, well, technically, next month. Becky Cloonan and Tim Sheridan, who are writing a Future State Wonder Woman arc, will be writing uh, Wonder Woman picking up after Tamaki. And I'm kind of disappointed because I actually am really liking uh, Tamaki's Wonder Woman run a lot more than anything since Greg Rucka, quite honestly. I actually have really enjoyed it, and that's unusual because a lot of the stuff they've done since uh, Rucka left at 25 has been really underwhelming. But I'm excited to see what she has to do with Detective Comics. I guess it's really going to depend how how we like her on Future State and then in March. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, I I haven't been following the Tamaki run on Wonder Woman, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of gave up on her after uh, James Robinson came in and blew it all to hell, and so I, I, I dropped Wonder Woman. So I haven't been following since she's been on the title, but I am familiar with her for her run on She-Hulk back after Civil War Two. She she took over the title at that point, which was really good as she dissected the different personas of Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk uh, after, you know, after the death of, of Bruce Banner and her herself 
you know, nearly dying at the hands of Thanos. So um, I am very familiar with her. I enjoy her writing. As long as we aren't inundated with the likes of Mr. Teat, uh, I am looking forward to seeing, you know, what she brings to Detective. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of monumental being, you know, that she's going to be the first female writer, you know, regular writer on the book. Uh, so as much as I am a Peter Tomasi fan uh, and hate to see him drop off, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Mariko Tamaki brings to the Dark Knight and, you know, who can ever not want to see the art of Dan Moore, you know, whether whether you're following him on uh, Once in Future or some of his other things. Uh, so I'm I'm quite excited for that. In addition to being disappointed about losing Wonder Woman, because I really would like the Trinity to have, you know, a good series of runs and with the new uh, writer on Superman. And I mean, I wasn't hating Bentis as some of my co-hosts are, but I also wasn't loving it. Um, so a new writer on Superman and uh, Tamaki on Wonder Woman and Tynan on Batman. I felt like we were going to be in a good place and I would have loved to see that for six months. But maybe the upcoming teams will be just as good. I just... I prefer to, to stick with something that's working rather than try something that I'm not sure about. Um, I think the shape up for Detective could be good. I've mostly been miss on Tamaki's stuff for DC. I haven't read much of her Marvel stuff, um, but I didn't think much of Supergirl being super. And I didn't like the bits of the Harley Quinn young adult novel that she wrote that I read. Now, I didn't read the whole thing, but uh, so it could have been much better. Uh, I did really like the art, Steve Pugh, who also works on Wonder Woman with her. But I don't know. She's been kind of hit and miss. So I'm hoping that Detective Comics will be a miss and I'll be rooting for her. And of course, we will be covering it. No, you want Detective Comics to be a hit. Isn't that what I said? You said miss. Oh, uh, you're, you're right. <laughs> I, I want it to be a hit. Uh, <laughs> I want it to be a hit. Okay. Uh, second part of our news uh, from... Uh, again, Comic-Con experience in Brazil. We have Teen Titans Academy by Tim Sheridan uh, on writing and Rafa Sandoval on art. We don't know a whole lot about this. I'm not even sure how much uh, Batman is going to be connected, the Batman universe. And we probably won't be covering it except maybe in Greater Gotham, which is going to be starting later this episode. So I'm very excited. But I mean, it sounds like a fun idea, though. The explicit mentorship of young heroes by older heroes. That's a That's a cool thing. I like that idea. Like, yeah. these are babies. <laughs> They're basically self-taught superheroes. <laughs> and it's like, that's a cute idea. But, um, you know, the older people are all alive with experience for a reason. And I don't. I think uh, it's a big downfall as young people to I completely ignore the older generation. Yes, there are some things that older people are just crazy. But they're also alive. And they've made it through a lot of life. And they have a lot of wisdom to bestow on us. And I feel like that's a good thing that that they're having they're that they're doing that they're doing whole um series based on that. Do you know if it's a limited or is it uh the opposite of that? <laughs> they're listing it as an ongoing on their official press announcement. Um they they have said that some things are limited. So I think they would say if they meant it to be known as a limited, but you know, sometimes companies will try something out and reveal that it was a limited late later on. Do do we know 
if the if the teams are permanent, you know, I mean, I'm sure the 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 older Titans are, but I know they're bringing back Crush. Um, I'm not sure who else are, are they bringing back more the more the old team from this last iteration of the Titans. I'm looking at the cover art for the number one. I don't recognize anyone in there. Yeah, I, I know, and the only reason why I know Crush is going to be in there is because Crush is also going to be in the Future State story. Uh, you know, if there if there are new characters, I'm okay with that as long as they you know develop them along the way. And, and the only way you can do that, I would think, would be in in, in a regular series run. I I don't I did not recognize most of the people on the cover. Um, but the cover, I think, is supposed to be more of a tease necessarily than telling us stuff. So I guess we'll have to really wait and see on that one. A lot of people are asking me what I think about who's Red X or who this stuff is. I'm just like, I don't know enough about any of this stuff. I'm I'm just going to read it in March with you guys. I really like that Batman pencil case. I really want the Batman pencil case. That uh, that would be kind of nice. That would be so cute. Um, we also accept, have announcements. Late Christmas presents. <gasps> yes. So, if you if you want to get in touch with Steph, uh, send us an email and uh, give us a give us all the Batman pencil cases. No, don't. <laughs> um, we also had an announcement of Stephanie Phillips, um, who is writing the Harley Quinn future state is going to be writing Harley Quinn in the ongoing series. Um, I don't know a ton about Stephanie Phillips. She's mostly worked on the more business side or editorial side, but she has written some fun stuff this last year. She wrote a really nice red tornado family story for the DC cybernetics summer special. Um, and she's written a couple of the man of steel Sorry, Man of Tomorrow Digital First stuff recently. So she's she's been getting into writing, so Harley Quinn should be fun. We'll have to see what it's like. Um, and then our last one is Gene Lewin Yang and Ivan Rice are going to be doing Batman Superman, picking up from Josh Williamson. I think they are also doing the Future State stuff, so a lot of stuff that you see in Future State is leading to stuff in the main continuity, which is kind of cool, meaning that there's more of a sense that Future State matters, not just in terms of what happens, but in terms of this is the start of new creative teams on big titles. Well, I think I think pretty much all of the Future State writers are taking over the regular books. I think that's what they said the plan was. Well, we only have eight announced titles for sure. So uh, we know James Tynan is coming back with Jorge Jimenez on Batman. So John Ridley is not doing Correct. the main Batman title. He may do a spin-off Batman title, but we don't have an announcement of that yet. Uh, we know that James Tynan is going to have a new Batman book in addition to the main Batman book coming in March. Um, my own personal theory on that is it's Gotham Knights, but I could be wrong. Um, it could be any number of things. It could be Arkham War with Joker versus Bane. Um, I, I don't really know. I'm just sort of speculating stuff based on what we've seen in Joker War Zone and sort of what he's been teasing on Twitter and so forth. Well, keep speculating because I'm not ready for that story yet. Well, yes, I, I think that we don't want... Um, I'm not ready for Joker yet. Yeah, I, I think that it would be nice if Joker didn't come back till 
I'd like 2022, but <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait and see. So that's all the news. Did uh, That's all the news I collected. Did you have any bits that you wanted to share, uh, Theo or Steph? No, for, for me, it was just, you know, the, the idea of, of, of uh, Tomasi dropping off of Detective and trying to figure out where he'll be popping up next. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. Uh, you know, well, so I'm that, hearing that, Superboy for Tomasi, and I'm hearing that it will be John, so I don't know if that's going to be a prequel or what, but that's what I'm hearing for Tomasi. I might be okay with that. I might be okay with that, but Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. Even if it's not a prequel, like, John being aged up does destroy the dynamic. It, it, well, that's why I said Superboy. I don't think it's going to be I, Super Sons again. Yeah, yeah. But he did, like, oh, no, I guess it wasn't him. But, oh, gosh, no. Who aged up? Like, that was Bendis. What, was that Ben? Well, was it Bendis that, oh, gosh, I Bendis, don't know what book it was. Was it Superman Bendis aged where, him up. Where, where Superboy comes back one more time to say goodbye before he joins the What's It League. Yeah, that was uh, like Superman number 17 or 14 or something. Yeah, something like, yeah, yeah. So that was Bendis then, right, who wrote that. Yeah. I actually liked that issue. Some people were mad. But yeah. I thought it was cute. No, no. I, I, and then, so if, it, if it's an older Superboy and Damien comes up sometimes, I think that would be okay. It wouldn't be magic, but it would be okay. Um, so... <laughs> That's all the news that's fit for print or audio, I should say, this uh, <laughs> week. Um, we we do expect to have a lot more stuff to talk about for March come next episode, because I think, as I said, the solicits are going to drop on Friday. I'm really excited that all that, that, that all that news did drop at Comic Experience, you know. Yeah, yeah I thought no. it was kind of fun. I wasn't expecting it. But yeah, it usually cool. you would... Yeah, usually you would think you would have got it at New York Comic Con or something like that, but now they went to Brazil. Well, I mean, so much of their creative staff are from Brazil on the artistic side, so it makes That's sense that they'd have a big uh, presence there. All right, so let's get into our reviews. Our first review is Batman number 104. I am vengeance. I am the knight. Written by James Tynan IV, drawn by Guillaume March, Ben Gal, and Ryan Benjamin, uh, with Danny Miki on inks for some of those, but not all of them. Ghostmaker stitches Batman up in a morgue, with Harley and Clown Hunter lying on gurneys nearby. Bruce and Ghostmaker talk, revealing that they are in Arkham, while Nightwing talks to Oracle slash Batgirl over comms while he stops a robbery in Bloodhaven. Oracle notes that there's been a huge attack on crime all over Gotham in the last six hours, and Nightwing tells her that one the one time he met Ghostmaker when he was Robin, and learned that Bruce and Ghostmaker used to be friends. Steph and Cass call in, Steph calling Babs Batgirl Prime, and herself one of the Batgirls, along with Cass, letting them know that Poison Ivy's left plants spelling out Arkham in Harley's new apartment. Clown Hunter and Harley wake up, and Bao, Clown Hunter, realizes that he's not bound like Batman and Harley are. Batman tells Harley she was present when Joker killed Bao's parents. Bao picks up a sword, preparing to torture Harley to death as Batman pleads with him to do the right thing. So, our penultimate issue of this arc... How are you liking it? 
think I'm liking it well enough. Uh, I know there's a lot of hush undertones with <laughs> uh, Ghostmaker, but I think overall I'm enjoying it. He's it's a different, it's a much different dynamic than Hush because this is a friend that Bruce made while training to be Batman. So it's a more adult, more late teens, more developing together. Whereas with Hush, it was like they were children and Bruce didn't catch up catch on the uh, psychotic tendencies of his 10-year-old friend. So it it's it's you know, it's not copy it's not it's not verbatim the same, but it does have a lot of similarities. Um I hated the art for Nightwing and or the Oracle Nightwing no. scenes. Oh, I hated it. Oh, it's so ugly. <laughs> I couldn't uh. I enjoyed it. I I also <laughs> enjoyed it, but I I'm a fan of Bengal. I think he has a really cute cartoony style. Um, but I know that our listener, um, Daniel, also really hated that art. So you are not alone, although you are alone on this cast. Here's my thing is that, okay, as, as you know, as awful as it is, you know, Nightwing is the eye candy for the people who enjoy a nice male form. And if you can't draw a Nightwing in a way that's attractive, you fail. And so I was not attracted to this Nightwing. He looked like... <laughs> A blob. And I was not interested. So that's my standard. <laughs> as shallow as that is, his stuff was cute. Like, he, the, the, the Batgirls were cute. He did a good job there. But he had a checklist. No eye candy. <laughs> Fail. And, I mean, obviously, as pointed out to me online, you, oh, no, what's going to happen to Harley Quinn, the highest-selling female anti-hero hero in D.C.? Oh, no. <laughs> But um, I am interested to see what it's going to take to change Bao's mind. So I, I am interested in that aspect of how is his either character going to change or attitude going to change. So that does have for me a little bit of interest. Yeah, of of the of the issues thus far in the arc, uh, this this was the most enjoyable. Um, I ultimately think that somehow Bruce is gonna free himself and, and prevent Clown Hunter from killing Harley because, of course, DC won't be killing Harley Quinn anytime soon, like never. Um, like Steph, like I mentioned, I, I did enjoy the art. Uh, you know, we often see where they have different artists in there to show shifts in time and place and, you know, you kind of get this as well. Uh, but there was a there was a good flow to the story, and it was a nice build, being that it is the penultimate of the story arc. Uh, so, I'm still I'm, I still have interest, even though I'm still not a fan of Ghostmaker. Um, yeah, this this was this was a good one for me. I agree. I actually um, this issue really kicked it up a notch for me. I've been enjoying this more than Jokerware. I like I liked Jokerware largely because I thought Jorge Jimenez's art was simply fantastic. But I think Tynan feels like he's off the leash. Like he's he's no longer trying to write a safe event comic for Batman to get sales up. It feels like he's like, well, here's my characters. Here's the characters I've really wanted to set up for, you know, six or seven years with, you know, Stephanie and Cassandra. Here's how I'm going to set it up. I'm going to 
put my new characters in in these situations and put them in conflict and i'm going to build up batman's supporting cast so they've got things to do and relationships with each other and i just love that dynamic um i think that the flashback with dick i have never been that interested in dick grayson as robin but i think that the way tynan wrote it there's there's such a warmth between dick and and bruce and it's just really enjoyable and and it feels very distinct like and it's also partly because uh, Guillaume March, who drew the flashback section, did such a fantastic job just showing the body language and, and the facial expressions of Dick and Bruce. And so I just was really drawn into that, that relationship, that warmth. Uh, the flashback just felt cool. And that also added a whole nother layer uh, to Ghostmaker for me, because before this, he's just been kind of an antagonist, but the re- the reveal that Bruce actually has regret that he couldn't persuade Ghostmaker to join him twice was, was really kind of touching. Like it, it gave Ghostmaker a more emotional and intellectual connection than the, uh, the boyhood friendship of Hush as a stepbrother. And I would completely agree. There's, there's really a lot of DNA of a lot of DC's standard villain tactics. Cause you have, you know, David Kane was one of D- uh, Bruce's old teachers and he shows up and he's one of the greatest assassins in the world that no one's ever heard of. Um, <laughs> Hush is one of the most uh, brilliant mastermind villains that you've never heard of. And he was Bruce's childhood. And you've also never heard of. <laughs> I'm trying to think there's at least one other major example of this before we get to uh, Ghostmaker. But I mean, I, that's been going on since, you know, the, the late nineties when no man's land came out with uh, David Kane. So this is not a new trope. And I do agree with the people who say that Ghostmaker doesn't have a lot new, but I think Tynan did a good job of connecting me to uh, Bruce's regret here. So that, that was a really cool moment for me. Um, And then of course, the, the highlight of this issue was Steph calling in and saying Batgirls to Batgirl Prime. I just thought that was <laughs> so fantastic. Um, the personality that Steph displays and Barbara's sort of surprised, but she's also like, yeah, I've been thinking about that. Like that relationship is really the kind of relationship that you sort of saw in both Stephanie and uh, Cassandra's runs as Batgirl with Batgirl as a mentor. And she's, you know, trying to give them the weight of her experience, but she's also got, you know, her own, struggles that she's dealing with like i really hope that a tynan and whoever gets you know whatever bat family or bat girl book will will take that dynamic and really play it for for all it's worth because it's a fantastic dynamic between those three characters and they deserve to have it explored after so long where it's just been in the off panel so that relationship showing up on the panel is the highlight of the issue in a in a in an issue full of highlights that i really liked so. so yeah, I I had a few highlights as well, but just if you jump with me into my time machine, I will go back to when I first read the issue and my reaction uh, when I got to that page. It was like, <gasps> you know, if you could see me on video right now, you were like, Theo's having a stroke or something. But I was very excited when when that panel uh, popped up. I think the only thing that was probably more exciting for me at least uh was seeing uh pixie booth robin in the flashback uh which which being the old timer that i am is is always a good thing for me 
I agree. I, I just think there was a lot of richness to like about this issue. And I'm kind of sad that we're coming to the end of the arc next issue. Um, I would have, even though it's, it's kind of falling into the same trap and I actually appreciate that it's going to just be uh, like five or six issues. I appreciate that Tynan is, is really giving us a lot of meat in this stuff, as opposed to, it felt like not quite as much meat in his first 10 issue arc of uh, their dark designs. Like it's the same structure, actually their dark designs was heavily flashback oriented and very short time frame. So, so far only about six or seven hours have passed in this story, but since it's only about four or five issues, that's not a big problem. These shorter arcs work. I mean, not just, yeah, not agree. just with Batman, but across the board. I mean, when you, when you, when you have a, 12 issue arc aka mr bloom and even even dark design which was what nine or ten issues i mean it's just so much potential to just fluff it everywhere and that it's for me takes away from the story you know it takes away from the overall story when you feel you have to fluff it up in order to to get to the end point, you know, and, and even in, even in King's run on Batman, there were a lot of issues, even within some of his arcs that he could have done without, you know, to get to the end point. And I understand that, you know, from an editorial timeline standpoint, there's reasons for them to either stretch or constrict arcs, arcs, um, as they come and go, but these shorter arcs are just just so much better. So, uh, we've already talked a little bit about the art, so there's three different artists, and I think that, according to the way I'm reading it and understand the styles, Ryan Benjamin did the beginning and the end with um, Batman, Harley, and Ghostmaker, and then Ben Gal did the Oracle scenes with both Nightwing and uh, the Batgirls, and then Guillaume March did the flashback. And I think that that structure really works. Um, it, it divides it so that each part feels like uh, their own characters. So sometimes Tynan's done issues where he's had to switch between artists for the same scene. And I think that's just tricky. Um, but he didn't do that for this one. So I think it works, even though I wish we'd had just one artist for the whole issue. And... <sighs> I'm going to do my rant again. I really hope that one of the things that happens in March is that we only have one issue per month. I would Good really luck with that. I would really like it to see just because I think they're they're not able to schedule artists and I think they need to schedule artists to f do whole arcs and and whole issues even. Like whole issues is apparently too much to ask for in this um this run for now. So I'm hoping to see an end of that in March, but I guess we'll know by Friday. I think the only way that that happens is if we're at that, at this point or whatever point that is in DC's head where they can return to legacy to hit 1000 at a specific point in time. If Our mathematical readers will have to let us know where we are. Cause I think I heard that in uh, issue 85 was actually issue 850, if you add together the New 52 and the post-crisis Batman. Well, actually, no, the, the 1940 Batman. So I think if you add those together, it was 850, which means that at 85, we're at 104. So that's 19 issues. Yeah, it's going to be a while. 
Yeah, I, I just think I, I I just think that they they're looking years down down the line, and they have an idea of when they want to hit one thousand, just like they had an idea of when they wanted to hit issue one hundred. You know, and I'm I'm kind of so so with regards to double shipping. You know, because you constantly have a book in your hand, uh, but you know, from a from an artistic standpoint. As Ian said, you know, it can cause issues because it's tough for the regular artists to keep up, especially if they're on other projects. And even even when they're not on other projects, you know, just cranking out two issues a month is quite a task. All right. So let's give our ratings for Batman number 104 out of five Pixie Boots. How many Pixie Boots do we want to give Batman 104? Hmm. I think... Ugh. I don't know. I'm stuck in again. Like, I hate giving... I always feel like I'm giving things 3.5s. But I don't think it deserves a 4. But I really enjoyed it. And uh, 3.5. I will go with four pair of Pixie Boots. Because you can't do four pixie boots because that's only two pair so i would do four pair gotta have shoes i will also go with four pair of pixie boots and so did scott over on the website so that's for i can't remember i can't remember is it mean or average or it's average mean and average are the same thing right it's a comic podcast who cares the mode is four so the mode review is four pixie boots out of five (laughs) It's a comic podcast. Call it whatever we want. I suppose. (laughs) All right. So, and now is the point in the podcast where I call for reviews. Um, We'd love to hear what you think about this episode. Send us a message at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. And we did get an email this uh, week, so I'm very happy that we're going to read that later. Thank you. Uh, We'd love to get more. We have uh, got a message on our Discord server as well. And you can join that if you go to thebatmanuniverse.net and click on the invite link on the right-hand side. Our Twitter, at TBU underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, on our Patreon page. Leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes, and we'll be happy to read all of your comments and reviews on air. With that said, let's move to our next review, Detective Comics 1032. (laughs) Detective Comics 1032, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Brad Walker. Somewhere in Gotham, Hush is having a conversation with the captured Bat family as they all begin to stir from unconsciousness after the events of Detective Comics 1031. As they begin to speak, Hush tells them that he's paralyzed their vocal cords, taking his moniker to heart. Hush begins to reveal his plan to the silent family members. While Batman is distracted with all the anti-vigilante movements throughout Gotham, Hush wanted to move in to take the family down. As he begins to draw blood from Red Hood, Hush reveals that he will harvest their organs. In the skies above Gotham, Batman continues his search for Damien, and has finally identified the location of Damien's hideout. As Batman drops down to the location of the old Gotham World's Fair, 
He begins to calculate the contingencies and booby traps his son has laid out for trespassers. Once inside, Bruce looks in appreciation at his son's base of operation. As he picks up his casebook, Damien, pounce, Damien pounces and attacks. Refusing to strike back, Batman urges his son to stop and to talk to him. As the two Waynes fall out of the window and onto another platform, Batman gets the upper hand, leading Damien to yield for now. The next morning, Christopher Nakano's wife is egging him on to attend his long rescheduled appointment to receive his new prosthetic eye. Nakano is having second thoughts about the new eye, but proceeds with the procedure. As the doctor finishes the insertion and gives Nakano tips on keeping the prosthetic in shape, he informs Nakano that the prosthetic was upgraded with a donation from Bruce Wayne. This infuriates the mayoral candidate, who demands that the doctor remove the prosthetic. He does not want to be bought by the rich if he becomes mayor. Nakano slams the eye against the wall, shattering it into pieces as he leaves with his wife. Later that evening, Hush is speaking to someone on the phone about the results of some lab tests. The results, unfortunately for Red Hood, are promising leading him to be the first that Hush will harvest organs from. Hush gloats over the idea of taking out the Bat family, all the while making millions while doing so. He knocks out Jason using chloroform. While this is happening, Bruce and Damien are swinging through the Gotham nightlight. They're in search of the missing members of the Bat family, who Batman realized were missing after receiving no response from them the night before. After squeezing some of the Gotham underworld, they feel they have identified the location of Hush's hideout. They dive in to make their move. So, the first question I had is I just recently reread Paul Dini and Dustin Nguyen's arc, Heart of Hush. And in that, Hush removes Selina's heart. Not because he wants to sell it, but as revenge on Batman for stuff that happened but i kind of wish that tomasi had made the connection between removing organs from the bat family by hush uh, more of an explicit callback because it seems very characteristic of him but it wasn't mentioned in an editorial note or in dialogue he didn't say aha i did this to selena um how did you feel about hush's actions in this uh this comic I mean, if you're going to be an evil guy and a surgeon, uh, you know, I mean, that makes sense. Why why let a good body go to waste? <laughs> if you're a psychopath and you have no feelings and no no morality, then sure, I mean, it's good business idea. I mean, you're destroying your enemy's force and you're making a buck. It's a great idea. Yeah, this was it was a it was a decent Semi callback to Heart of Hush, you know, and and I appreciated that. But again, like Ian said, there were, you know, some things that that about Heart of Hush did not come to light in, in this issue, particularly the idea that Hush is looking for money now in his uh, two birds for two birds with one stone mission to take out the family. Um, 
but I'm okay with that. You know, maybe maybe the point was to not not directly link it to to Hard Hush, uh, but you know, it's kind of hard to do considering considering you know, it's one of those stories you know that that's that's out there and 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 well known in the Batman universe. Um, but I was okay with it. So, next question. How have your thoughts changed about Nakano's character based on his scene with the um, prosthetic in this issue? I don't know if it's changed. It is a, I don't know. It seems weird that you're okay with doing a fundraiser and asking rich people to fund your campaign at a fundraiser. But if one of them tries to help you out because you were damaged on their property, I don't know. Like, I can see how he thinks it's buying him off, but at the same time, it's also doing something nice. Like, there's there's not an expectation. Like, if it was, here's an eye, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I don't know. I feel like, I guess he's just, he's trying to avoid even the appearance of evil, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I don't think my opinion of him has changed. He seemed fairly anti-corruption, and that is an example of what could be corruption. Even though it was not meant as corruption, it can definitely appear as it. So I, I don't. Uh, my opinion of him, of him has not changed. Well, I think I think this issue, this issue, if anything, shows some political navite on 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 Connell's part and it's precisely because of what what Steph mentioned you know the idea that you know you could get on this yacht with a bunch of millionaires and billionaires and and take their money to run your campaign yet you know someone is 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 looking to donate something to you for something that's more specific. I, I can see, you know, again, Bruce Wayne or in, doing this, not just for Nakano, but for anyone considering that they were injured on his property. Um, but then also again, you know, naive and not knowing who Bruce Wayne is as a person amongst the elite of Gotham. Uh, I've always known Bruce, even with his playboy ways to be, somewhat different than the rest of the Gotham elite, you know, so, so, you know, my, my thoughts changed a little bit, you know, but again, I guess it goes along with the character in that he, he is new to politics and it definitely showed with, with that, that sequence of the issue. The other thing that, that kind of struck me was when, Right before the procedure, he he was speaking of the the patch, you know, being his mask and how he rather enjoyed wearing it because you know it it it, it helped hide, you know, part of who he was, and you know, and it, it kind of makes him look almost like a hypocrite because mm-hmm. he he's this anti vigilante, anti mask uh, candidate running for office, and yet he he feels this need to have to wear the patch, you know, to hide who he may truly be. And so um, as we get into future state to see how the 
the future Nakano is. Uh, and then uh, once we return to the main series, I mean, we we know in future state he's the mayor, so we know how the arc is going to end. So it'll be interesting to see how Nakano transforms uh, during the, the future state era and back once we return to the to the to the main book. I think that insight about him the mask speech and how he appears hypocritical is a really good insight. That that whole scene just really decreased him. It was actually a significant change for me. Um partly because of that hypocrisy, but partly also because the sheer pettiness of breaking the eye prosthetic instead of just removing it and uh you know handing it back. And and the pettiness of refusing to take it, like he he's being very selfish and petty in this scene. And after last um, issue where he he really took a strong stance against corruption, he was against helping Mirror, um, who gets no mention in this issue. So I wonder <laughs> if we're going to get any commentary on him at all. I I was disappointed. Um, I mean, he's a fictional character, so I can't really be disappointed in him, but I was hoping he was going to have a little more moral fiber, but instead he just kind of feels like a small man instead of a big man who could be a real foe um, to Batman in a in a hard way to answer. But now he's just kind of a... He's kind of immature and hypocritical, and so I kind of... He, he doesn't seem like as much a threat because he doesn't have that moral authority to accuse Batman from anymore. But yeah, that was some really good commentary by both of you. The last question is, uh, what are your thoughts on this arc, knowing that next issue is the last uh, that Tomasi will be writing for uh, Detective Comics, for now at least? Well, he definitely didn't write enough Damien. <laughs> and I just feel so sad that there wasn't a lot of relationship or even real characterisness of the family. Like He had a lot of the family in there, but they were just there. Yes, sir. No, sir. Let's get trapped, sir. I don't know. It's kind of... Plot points. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a little disappointing, and I really hope he does well in his future endeavors. Like, really, really wish and hope that he does well in his future endeavors. Um, but I, I'm okay with moving on from Tomasi in tech. <laughs> so, I am... Again, and I kind of said it earlier when we were going through the news, I'm a little down on the idea that, that this is next issue is going to be Tomasi's last. I thought this issue really started to get the groove that I was looking for, particularly with the interaction between Bruce and Damien. I think that is something that we were all looking for. You know, to, to to see them team up once again, even even if it's temporary. But we know that, you know, they're together. I was really looking to see how Tomasi would be would have been able to expand on that. And now we won't have the ability, at least in in this book, to see that Batman and Robin, Batman and Robin, <laughs> uh, but. I'm hoping Tomasi is able to go out with a bang, and and I'm, I'm and I'm expecting it to seeing how the issue ended, you know, with with that panel of him and Damien 
dropping from the sky like they're getting ready to just crash land into wherever this hideout, you know, is that they they suspect Hush to be holding the family. Uh, but I'm 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 a little disappointed because I really wanted to see Tomasi seemed to have hit his groove, especially with and, and we we said in past episodes, you know, the the Damien story was really the strongest of the two or three that we got in this arc, whether it was um, the short-lived Mera story, the story of Nakano, or, you know, the Damien story, it was the strongest. And, and you really saw it in this issue, um, you know, and I was also able to get some laughs out of it too, especially in the, in the different panels where Batman is calling Damien boy. And it's just like, it, are you done hitting at me, boy? So, you know, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, uh, hopeful that, you know, we will see more uh, from this sometime in the future. Batman, Robin, Batman, Robin. But uh, until then, um, we'll see how it all ends next in two weeks. Look out for my review. I think this is a wasted opportunity and I don't know how much of it was editorial and how much of it is uh, creative. People look back and love uh, Tomasi and Gleason's run on Batman and Robin Uh, as, as Theo clearly shows because he wants it back. I really, really doubt that anyone's going to, going to look back and, and really love uh, Tomasi and Mankey and Walker's run on Detective. They might have some fond memories, but this is not... It It didn't create something as powerful as the Bruce and Damien relationship. It didn't have uh, the same just really unique uh, and strong visuals that Gleason provided. Not that Mankey and, 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 uh, and Walker weren't very good artists. They are. But they don't have the same unique voice that Gleason did. And when you look at the storytelling, um, there's a certain just retreadedness about it with all the cults and the sort of greatest hits approach to the villains. Uh, There are a couple of interesting twists with Two-Face and Mr. Freeze, but they didn't, they weren't followed up on. um, So they, they probably won't stick. I I just think that this run could have been something similar to his Batman and Robin run, but instead it felt um, kind of like marking time and marking time for two years. Well, okay, let's see. This started an arc before 1000 and we're on 1032. Um, So 32 divided by two is 16. So it's a little over a year and a half. Um, And I, I just... At no point did this this quite feel like one of the greats. Um, it wasn't like the Paul Dini run, which didn't really have an overarching story, but it did have just these great one-shots and relationship stuff. Like he spent the whole first part of his arc repairing the relationship between Zatanna and Bruce. Um, and then he spent the second half of his Detective Comics run you know, looking at Batman and Catwoman and Hush and, and that relationship. And then he that spun out into Gotham city sirens and streets of Gotham. 
Um, this one, it doesn't feel like there's anywhere it could really spin out. And I think that if Tomasi is headed to Superman, um, we'll probably see more connections to the Super Sons run rather than, you know, to anything that happened in this run. Except maybe he'll have uh, Damien and Bruce at a, a more reconciled relationship. But it, it's really not... I don't know how you can get to a more reconciled relationship in just one issue. Maybe he can, but I think that is probably going to have a slight motion rather than the big motion that I think most of us would prefer. I I will definitely agree with, with all your comics, I mean, all your comments. Uh-huh. I'll take your comics too. But, um, no, yeah, they're mine. Definitely... They go in my long box. <laughs> It'll, it, oh my God. You, I will never buy another long box again. Um, uh, this definitely wasn't a memorable run. There were so many points within it, though, where you got hints of what could have been. You know, whether you're looking at the the Malcolm Knight run, where, again, you know, Damien is there, and there's this conversation between he and Bruce, and Bruce is saying, you know, we haven't been on the same accord, but at some point when this is over, you and I, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk this out. And Damien's like, I look forward to it. And I'm like, yes, yes, I need that. I want that. And like you said, it was just never followed up on. You know, there were the points with Freeze and, and with Two-Face and how, you know, they may have been turning a corner and again, you know, yeah, this is something I can deal with. And, and again, never followed up on, never follow up on. And then again, you have this interaction between Bruce and Damien after Damien has given up the Robin mantle. And again, not, not saying that Tamaki won't follow up on this, but, I'm not going to keep my hopes up, but even if she does, the notion that Tomasi is not going to be doing this, which is, which has been his forte for so long, going back to, going back to the run on Batman and Robin, and just so many, so many missed opportunities that DC. DC did with this title. And again, I, I'm going to say it probably is more editorial than anything. And I'm only saying that because I've specifically have spoken to Tomasi uh, with regards to, you know, where he was going with detective. Is it possible that we could see more interaction with, with Bruce and Damien and he point blank telling me, you know, I've been told that I needed to go this direction and I can't touch Damien for right now. So I, I think a lot of issues with this run, just as we've seen with a lot of other titles, is editorial or even higher up than editorial can't get out of their way. And it just it, it brings a book down so much and and that's the disappointing part of it because you know i know ian isn't a fan of tomasi but i am and i i I know he is a a good writer um 
And yeah, it's just I'm gonna I'm gonna end my my mini rant on that. It's just a lot of a lot of missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I think that's that's very insightful and I, I agree that Tomasi has it in him. I just think that for, for whatever reason it, it didn't come out. Um, and I hope that whatever he does next, it really does get that, that sense back. Because, you know, you look at Batman and Robin, you look at his Superman run, and those are beloved runs. Uh, and, of course, Super Sons, which I sort of consider part of his Superman run. Um, I, I just think that this, this Detective Comics run won't be one of the real jewels in his writer's crown. So let's give this a rating out of um, <laughs> stolen body parts. Out of five <laughs> stolen body parts, how many do you give this comic? Uh, we didn't really talk about the art, but I did. I think I like the art better in this one than the overall art in Batman. Um, and Me too. And I thought the story was, it was good. I, I would say I like this one better, so I'll give it a four out of five <laughs> body parts. <laughs> Which parts are they? <laughs> All their hearts. Uh, so I will I will not stray from the rating on my review. Uh, despite my uh, mini rant, this issue was very good, and it was probably so simply because we had Brad Walker and gang back on the art, which uh, has always been a thing for me. But also, this issue was heavy on on. Damien. We didn't have to worry about the Bat family looking like buffoons who didn't know that they were being set up. We we had that story of Bruce and Damien fighting it out and coming to a truce and that was something I was really looking forward to and we got hints of it again uh, with this issue. So for me it was a four as well. I am going to give it a three out of five uh brad Brad walker i still just i look at his stuff and i'm like i liked him on aquaman i i don't know what it is about him on batman that makes me feel weird but i i i I really liked the line work on aquaman i thought it was really cool and on batman it just feels a little alien so i'm gonna go with the three out of five stolen body parts our next section is greater gotham So it's a little different than last time when Dustin had the Greater Gotham section, but we are going to touch on some of the major, not all of it, it's never going to be exhaustive, but some of the major uh, Batman Universe titles that are not the main book. And not all of us have read them all, so if we haven't read them, we'll just you know not pass, and we're not going to give ratings, we're just going to sort of give a quick or, or more extended appreciation of what we liked about that issue. So our first one up is the long-awaited, year and a half in the making, Batman long. Catwoman number one, written by Tom King, artist Clay Man with colors by Tomu More. So what do you guys think of Batman Catwoman number one? It's definitely a thumbs up for me. It 
wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> um, that kind of seems to be the general consensus of that book. It's it's definitely takes place pretty much right after Batman Annual Number Two, right with Batman dying in his bed in at an old age, and then weaves the present into it. And there's a lot of jumping around, so it definitely probably is going to require a few rereads especially like as a whole, as a whole story. Um, but I like that. I like having to think. I, I like not just, sometimes I like to just sit there and, you know, mind-numbingly read a comic through and enjoy it. But um, having to think, having to keep track of, okay, what tense are we in right now? <laughs> what is, is, is not a bad thing. So I definitely give it a thumbs up and enjoyed it. For me, Batcat was more of, a neutral leaning thumbs up. But the primary reason I think was probably just the the jumping around in time. And and that drew me the first time that I read it. And, you know, I know Steph mentioned it seemed more of a, a follow-up to, you know, directly after, after, uh, Annual two, which I'm in agreement with, but you know, for some reason, I couldn't get the idea of um, King's story with Walt Simonson out of my head as well, and how you know Bruce died from getting sick uh, as well. Uh, but I will probably have a better appreciation for it on a reread but i think i will need to get a couple of issues in before doing that uh you know the the time jumps can just can just throw you off and because there's so many time jumps with different strands of the story you actually don't get that much story all together because you're telling so many bits of so many bits (laughs) it is a little as as long as it was, it still seems pretty short. I, I'd agree. This is very much set up. So it's setting up, you know, the past where um, uh, Bruce and Selina and Joker and Andrea are all interweaving as very young people at the beginning of their adulthood. And then you have the quote-unquote present timeline, which is after King's Batman run, and I, I am very curious to know if this is after uh, the Catwoman 80th short story where Helen is born. I wonder if this is before or after that, because this is a new Catwoman costume. It's gray with some panels, and I really like it. Uh, and that's when Andrea comes back and Joker kills her son, apparently. Now, I think there's going to be a lot of swerves, um, but that's apparently what happened. And then we have After Bruce Died, which seems to be the main meat of the story so far, where Catwoman finds an aged Joker and says she's going to kill him. And maybe he'll die next issue. There's some signs that that'll happen. And I think that's uh, that would be very sh- uh, surprising. But so much of King's stuff is really laying down tracks and then building the train's momentum until it's just a juggernaut that obliterates your heart in the end. <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm expecting uh, from Batcat, too. So... What was the was the Joker reveal a surprise to anyone? Yes. Oh, it was to me. Uh, I, 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 well, I kind of figured that's who it was. The only thing that really got to me was the fact that somebody 
had multiple kids with him. So that was because that was his kids and grandkids he was showing to Selena. So that was the only thing that kind of drew me. But I kind of figured that that's that's who the old man was. So it wasn't that big of a surprise. I also wanted to comment that holy goodness, the art was amazing. Yeah. Um, just the line work, the the relationships, the the acting, the atmosphere, the coloring, of course, is just rich and detailed. It is a gorgeous book, and I am glad to be having that in my collection just for that alone. I mean, obviously, I was a huge fan of the art on the beach, and this is very much similar to those two issues. And um, and, and, I, and I know a lot of people were upset at the fact that it was being delayed, but the idea that they delayed it simply so Clay could do all of the issues. I am a okay with that. And one note I wanted to point out that someone uh, pointed mm-hmm. out to me was that the beginning with the house uh, and the little silent night for the issues title at, in the window, uh, there are 12 windows in that house. So I think that we're going to see windows opening throughout the series as sort of a structural device. And I thought that was cool. So, yeah, I think it's clear that we all really enjoyed Bat-Cat, number one. Our next big exciting, uh, excited issue was uh, Black and White, number one. So this is sort of a relaunch of the famous series that originally started as backups in Gotham Knights and has had uh, various uh, resurrections over the years. Um, we had a lot of different stories. Um not all of us read this one, but I wanted to highlight the uh, James Tynan story, The Fist of Ra's al Ghul, or The Fist of the Demon, and as a story of one of Ra's's uh, ninjas. And he, uh, you know, gets one punch at Batman, and then Batman beats him. And it was just kind of a fun little story about being part of a big ongoing fight. Um, very odd art by Trad Moore, who's not Travis Moore, about who I will have much more to say in the next greater Gotham issue. Um, but it, it was a, I, I liked Tynan. I thought he had something fun to say there, um, but it didn't really have much to say in terms of a long connection. Tynan hasn't really touched Roz in a significant way before other than League of Shadows in his Detective Comics run. Uh, the other piece I really liked was Paul Dini's short story with uh, Andy Kubert. And it's actually a follow-up to Batman and Son with the man-bat ninjas of Talia. And I actually really liked that connection. I thought it was building on an idea in a new way. And Andy Kubert being the original artist of the original Batman and Son arc was just a fun connection. So those were the two stories I wanted to highlight from Black and White. I didn't think it was a fantastic issue overall, but I enjoyed those two. Do it, Steph. Do it. Oh, no, I mean, I thought you meant you were going to skip me. <laughs> but uh, I did not read it, but I tried. I don't know if it's because it I tried right after lunch or whatever, but the art of the first one literally made me sick to my stomach. I don't know what it was. There was so many It is a very disorienting and- art. It was oh, I was I was getting vertigo just <laughs> trying to read it. And then I just kind of skimmed through the whole thing, and I saw, like, wrinkly angry Batman. I was like, I'm not in the mood to read this. So I just, I skipped it. I skipped it. I will say I got bad Raleigh Rothmo vibes with that first story. You know, it, and it was almost Rothmo on crack. That's, I mean, it was just so that it was really out there. Um, the story was great, but the the art could really throw you off as you're trying to figure out and form 
where one person begins and another ends and you can barely see that fist come, but you can see Bruce looking at it. Um, for me, that story was okay. The two stories that really stood out for me was um, was the G. Willow Wilson story with uh, Killer Croc. I thought that was really nice. And uh, I also enjoyed the Paul Dini story uh, with with the throwback to the Batman and Sun arc again. Anything uh, that that goes that route is a okay with me. For the rest of it, I don't know. I I felt I felt I was in my English lit or my uh, American lit class and forced to read a, a bunch of prose, and I just didn't feel those those other stories and um yeah like Ian said it was it was an okay issue but uh from a thumbs up thumbs down uh this was a a neutral heading down um for me which for those of you following our rating system is actually a two um Our last issue that I wanted to mention was a late edition. Um, it's Dark Knight's Death Metal, Last Stories of the DC Universe. And there's only one Batman-related title directly in it. It's a a seven, no, a six short story collection in an 80-page giant, uh, connecting, of course, to the Death Metal event. Um, unfortunately, the Batman story is uh, called The Bat Family in We Fight for Love, written by... Cecil Castellucci. And if anyone has tuned into Batgirl to Oracle uh, recently, you will know how I feel about Cecil Castellucci writing the Bat Family. Uh, I will give you a spoiler here. It is not positive. Um, this is <laughs> this is better than Batgirl number 50, but that's like saying a broken leg is better than a pulverized spine. Very um, low bar. <laughs> it's a very low, low bar. Uh, the art is fine uh for this one barbara for some reason is in her burnside uh costume um i wanted to highlight this because the bigger story for me was there's a, a framing story by josh williamson james tynan and scott snyder drawn by the amazing travis moore and colored by tamra bonvillain it is so gorgeous it is donna troy wonder girl um meeting with all of the people who have been uh, teen Titans or Young Justice Leaguers or Titans, uh, including the Dark Titans from Christopher Priest's run on uh, Deathstroke, uh, including the Young Justice from you know Bendis's run recently. So you have Stephanie Brown and Superboy and Wonder Girl, Cassie and Tim Drake, um, and you have the classic uh, Donna Gar. Roy, Wally, and, and there's a really emotional scene with Wally after Here's in Crisis and Donna. Uh, it's just very well done. Um, there's also a really lovely story by Gil Simone and drawn by the amazing Megan Hetrick um, in which the um, Green Arrow and Black Canary have a, a really nice little date before the end of the world. Uh, there's a great Superman story written by Mark Wade and drawn by Francis Manipool just a lot of really fun stories. And even though I would actually rate the Batman universe story the least, the Batman connections in the Titan story, I think still 
uh, are worth checking out if you're willing to check out a longer anthology. But it is still a good uh, price per page if that's something that matters to you. I only read the Batman story. I kind of skimmed through the other ones and just saw who's in there. I think I did read. I, I love uh, Green Arrow, so I, I skimmed that one too, but I took my time skimming that one. Uh, it was fine. Death Metal definitely is not continuity. It really hacks me off that Jim Gordon was taken off the table because of because of all that. It has nothing to do with anything. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Babs and 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 Nightwing are married now apparently. <laughs> unless 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 they don't die then they're not married anymore, which is just great. Um yeah, actually so yeah. I I went ahead and read the newest Nightwing cuz I was like, is he I know it's not in continuity, but is he just totally cheating on B or what's going on here? And no, no, that Nightwing sucked. <laughs> but he's not with B anymore, so it's okay that he's married to, to Oracle now. Whatever. Whatever. It was fine. It was yeah, the art was good and um it was fine. It was fine. So this was an obvious setup from Ian on me because Ian <laughs> knows that I avoid all things metal and anything metal will not find its way into my reading panel. Uh, I, I am, I am not. I would like to say that I told them they didn't have to read anything on this list, (laughs) but I will say when it comes to, uh, Cecil Castellucci and her writings of the bat family, Ian speaks for me. So, and if you want to hear two hours of me speaking for Theo, check out Batgirl's Oracle. Uh, but um, I may skim since uh, I skimmed through a few of the pages. I may look at the uh, Titan story, uh, seeing that it is a pretty short one. But I, 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 the whole metal dark multi universe mess. I, I was, I was, I will suck it in. For metal, simply because of how things ended with uh, uh, no justice and and all that, but yeah, Batman who laughed, the Dark Multi Universe, all that mess. I I avoid almost like the plague. I I, I have no interest in it. Um, it's it's just it's not me. So from that standpoint, I'm gonna give it an abstain, trending way down. All right, that's our Greater Gotham. Look forward next uh, episode for a very enthusiastic uh, title that we shall let you guess, but um, it may have something to do with uh, a certain whispering, a certain whispering that you're hearing right now. <laughs> um, but uh, I hope you like this Greater Gotham. If you have any suggestions on something you'd like to uh, have us make a quick mention of, please let us know on the Discord or through email all the standard commenting ways. Um, And now we will get to our listener feedback. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. First off, we have an email. Email, TBU. I'm not sure why I felt the need to reach out to you, but I've been wondering how no one has brought up creating Lee Bermejo's Batman Noel animated movie. Something like Polar Express or Jim Carrey's Christmas Carol. They would not. Be like Polar Express or Jim Carrey's Christmas Carol. 
Ever since the book came out, this is all I can think about. I guess I figured you guys had a big enough platform to where if any group could get the wheels turning on something of this nature, it would definitely be you guys. I enjoy the heck out of the podcast and wish you guys all the best. Cheers, Channing. Well, okay, so here's the thing about DC movies. Or animated movies, anyway. Which if they did, Noel, it would be an animated movie. Hush is one of the prettiest stories out there. It was an ugly movie. <laughs> they do not put the effort into the art that they should. And Batman Noel, which I bought thinking, this will be my new Christmas tradition. Oh my gosh, is there a lot of violence and swearing and that's not Christmas appropriate? <laughs> it's not a Christmas movie. It's set at Christmas. It's not a Christmas movie. Um, it's, it's, unless they do the art justice, there's no point. There's no point in doing it. They would. It would just suck. I mean, Hush was okay. The the spin changing the bad guy was fine, but the whole point of Hush is how pretty it is because Jim Lee's art was beautiful, and Lee Bermejo's art is beautiful, and the movie would not be good because they were not going to do him justice unless he animates it. They're not going to do him justice. I think that's an extremely reasonable response. Although I would say that they put a fair amount of money and design into Dark Knight Returns parts one and two. Uh, so they have, but I think that in a general rule, they don't. So I, I tend to agree. I think that it wouldn't be the greatest of ideas. Um, yeah, I I agree. I would love if doing the art justice would would be the main reason to do to do that in an animated film. We all know that DC from a cinematic standpoint does a much better job uh with their animated universe than their cinematic universe. However, for a, a story such as such as Noel or even Batman Noir, which was kind of set in that same frame of time, or at least from that same continuity with, with Libra Mayo, you got to do the art justice. Anything other than if you can't find an animator that can mimic uh, Lee's style of, of, of drawing, it, it just... It's, it's just not worth it. Um, and this is from someone who absolutely loved parts one and two of The Dark Knight Return, uh, but absolutely hated um, what they did with Hush simply because of the swerve at the end. The fact that, um, but that's, that's another day, another time. But yeah, I would love it, but I just don't, I just don't think they would be able to hit it with the art and, and, the art is what made both of Bermejo's stories worth it, despite the violence. But I think the precedent has been set. If Die Hard is a Christmas movie, um, <laughs> so can Noel. All right. So let's move on to our Discord comment from Sean Wolf. Sean Wolf says, I hope that you are all well and in great spirits. I just wanted to let you know how much that I enjoy the podcast with both you and Theo. Oh, is that not me? <laughs> no, I guess I wasn't there. Right, I have the Nora and Victor. Uh, yeah, it's true. I have the Nora and Victor youth graphic novel and will read through that during my lunch break today. I have have a great day and I look forward to the next segment. 
So uh, I appreciate that a lot. I thank uh, Sean for always being such a faithful listener and commenter. Um, I did read Victor and Nora. I um, I kind of approached it as a, a villain origin story. So I think some people read it expecting Victor and Nora to be more heroic. But to me, they were kind of, you know, normal with some, some real temptations to go to go bad. So in that perspective, I think that uh, story made a lot of sense. Um, I'm a little tired of DC's young adult novels always having this two-toned look instead of a full-color look, but it was still quite uh, readable. I did not read it. I'm sorry. That I, is okay. The whole, the whole, that, that, that last uh, young adult one with um, the teenage Bruce and gang. Oh, and Gotham High. That was, that was terrible. That kind of turned me off to the young adult yeah. stories. Well, Are I'm excited for the, the House of L, which is going to be a prequel to, uh, you know, the Krypton uh, storyline. Uh, I think it's with, it's sort of a Romeo and Juliet storyline. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. And I really like the writer, Claudia Gray, because she wrote a similar type of story for Star Wars called Lost Stars. Um, but as a whole, I think the YA stuff is kind of missing the mark um, with a couple of major exceptions, uh, which I think I, I've highlighted I, here before. I have the Catwoman one, the Under the Moon or whatever, and then the the, the Bruce one, the... Nice stalker. Like Walker, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said Gear Metal Solid. <laughs> I think that's not right. Um, Wait, do you mean to tell me you didn't read Overdrive? No, yeah, Overdrive. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the one I read. Oh, um, okay. And they were cute. It definitely isn't, you know, Batman. I am the knight. But it was. They were. They were both cute and and fine. I mean, they could literally have been about anyone. It there wasn't too much that made him Bruce Wayne or her really Selena Kyle, but they were cute. All right. Thank you, Sean and Channing, for writing in. I forgot to ask my co-host for a question of the week, so I guess we'll figure our own out now. What do you think we should ask our listeners? Batman and Robin or Super Sons? Do you want to talk about HBO Max <laughs> dropping uh, 4K movies next year? And what we're excited about? Slash Wait. Batman. Sure. Wonder yeah. Woman. <laughs> Wait, is it next year? I thought I, thought, I thought I read that it was going to be with the um, starts with the Wonder, Wonder Woman release. Yeah. That's next year, but that's Whatever. just like that's, a week a, before next year. So. A week before next year. It's um, yeah, still so, 2020. So our question is: HBO Max is going to get uh, the same day and date release of movies, and unlike Milan for Doozley Plus, I think it's going to be for all su- subscribers. Now you won't be able to get a free week or month or however long the trial is, but you will not have to pay extra for the brand new movies. So, what are you excited about for next year? I think for me, it's definitely going to be, of course, Wonder Woman and uh, the Suicide Squad and the Batman. Um, but what about my co-hosts and what about you, our listeners? Definitely that. I'm quickly scanning through the list. Um, I'm honestly probably more excited about Wonder Woman than Batman. <laughs> Although Batman, it looks fine. It just looks a little creepy. And I'm not a super fan of creep. Ugh, Matrix 4. Ugh. I forgot to mention, I'm also excited about Dune and um, the Snyder Cut, of course. No. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely, no. yeah, Snyder Cut, definitely. No, definitely not. No, I, I, just... uh, I, I will. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to go on a rant now. I don't. I don't want the Snyder folks to try to kill me. So I'm. I'm gonna keep my thoughts to myself. But the whole, the whole release the Snyder cut thing was just 
it was just too much for me. And, you know, even, even now that it's being released, you know, there's still gripes and crying and then it leads into the whole Ray Fisher thing. So I just rather not, rather not discuss it. Um, I've been holding off on getting HBO Max uh, simply because of the lack of 4K. But now that I see that they are going to be supporting it uh, with the release of Wonder Woman, I guess I will uh, go ahead and and sign up. Um, As far as the movies that I am excited for, um, I am interested to see what they do with the Matrix 4. Uh, and then, of course, Batman. But um, off the top of my head, other than those two, there there's not much of that I'm. There's not much of a line that I am. I am super excited for. Uh, of course, I I will watch Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, but you know, as they constantly pushed it back and pushed it back and pushed it back. It just, I lost the interest that I first had for it. Um, but we'll see if my thoughts change after Christmas. Side Squad is going to have Idris Elba, Nathan Fillion, and John Cena. That makes me a little more excited about that movie. <laughs> I don't, uh, until I can see Idris Elba as James Bond, um, yeah. Oh, All right. Uh, I also think Idris Elba would be a pretty fantastic Bond, although he's quite old for the part now. Um, kind of missed the boat on that. Uh, who, who's making that? Sony? Missed the boat, Sony. No, no shade on Daniel Craig. I think he's a very good Bond, but uh, you know, Idris Elba is pretty, pretty awesome. All watch right. Luther. What? No, just saying. If you want to see something close, watch Luther. Oh, I have watched Luther. Um, and of course, The Wire. I think Israel was just a fantastic actor. Okay, so listeners, what HBO Max movies are you excited about? Um, I think I mentioned The Batman. If I didn't, I'm ashamed and I'm excited about The Batman because this is the Batman Universe comic podcast. I appreciate all of you. I especially appreciate our Batfan uh, supporters. So that is Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Rob O. Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Robert Lewis, Stephanie Mounts, Donovan Morgan Grant, Ian Miller, Stanton's Grave, Theodis Wright, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Gar, Captain America, Mary Garnett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, Sam Isag, and Cody. Thank you all for your support. You help us to continue this podcast for another year. Uh, I think this has been, despite the disruption, we had our 300th episode with fantastic uh, anthology issues to cover. We had all of our special guests. We had uh, a brand new format. We had new runs uh, with James Tynan. This was an exciting year of the Batman Universe comic podcast, and I'm very excited to come to our finale next episode. So tune in next time, and please give us your answers. Until then, I have been Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. And we will see you. This is Steph. Sorry. Do it again. Uh, Which part? Theo. Huh?
do. Say say your name. I, I think I talked over you, so. You did? I did. I mean, I'm used to it. People just talk over me. I oh. didn't know if I cut out again, so I just repeated myself. Oh. This is Dio. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. <laughs>